guys, what is good? This is Morgan Mueller coming at you with the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. We actually have each of these episodes begin as a YouTube video. So if you would like to watch the original content on YouTube, search my name, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, on YouTube, look for the Joy and Hope logo. But otherwise, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, Morgan here bringing you another episode of Joy in Hope. I am going to be honest with y'all from the get-go. I am feeling very tired, but inspired today. So that is why I am recording when I am. But I just need you all to know that even if I sound or look exhausted, I am still excited. Because this morning during my time with the Lord, boom, just out of nowhere, this all came to me and I had a different idea for this week's episode, but isn't that how it happens? So come Holy Spirit, take over, lead the train, take the reins, etc. So this week's episode is now about what to do when you can't seem to make a decision. And I'm not talking about little things like what to wear that day or what brand of milk to buy at the grocery store. I understand fully how both of those things sometimes seem like an existential crisis because I and just the type of person that has a hard time making decisions, whether big or little. But I'm not talking about those kinds of decisions. I'm talking about things that are pretty big and life-altering. Things that aren't just for the day, but that can either impact your life from that point on um, for the rest of your life or like for a good chunk of your life especially when it comes to vocation. If the question is unsettled in your heart, is the Lord asking me to be a priest or a sister in religious life? Or is he inviting me to be married to this other person and have a family? Is the Lord inviting me to take this job that just popped up out of the blue or to continue doing what I am doing? Things that are really big And that often not only impact us, but the people around us, especially if you are already in your vocation, if you're already married, for example, and things like where are we going to send our kid to school this year, stuff like that, stuff that is big and isn't just for the day. Okay, so here we go. That's the track that we're on for the day. But before we get into all of that, Let's start with a prayer, please and thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Totus tuus Maria ego sum. I am totally yours, Jesus and Mary. 
That felt good. And also, really quick, before we get into the good stuff, I want to say thank you to all of my patrons on Patreon. I know in one of my recent episodes, whatever number it was, the life update plus a lesson in trust where I share that I really just think that at this point in my life, the Lord is asking me to do join hopeful time. And I surrendered the part-time work I'd been doing for about three months there. It has just been awesome to see the fruit of that. Yes. Of that fiat. The Lord has been providing me with such an abundance of patrons and one-time donations And I just want to say thank you to all of those who have answered that call. But I also want to be very transparent with all of you because I don't like lying or just not being honest. I think that it also is a call to action sometimes when people are just straight with the finances. So living expenses, my life currently averages about... $1,200 a month between that and $1,500, but we'll say $1,200. And my goal for quite a while has been for my Patreon account to be at at least $1,000 a month. It's currently about $550. However, I've had to be honest with myself about how even though it might say $550 on my page, that between the taxes or different things that are taken out by Patreon every month, I end up making less than that. So I guess more so my goal would be, like my dream would be to make over $1,000 a month on Patreon, even $1,200 to $1,500 minimum. So just to share with all of you that, But also to say that the Lord very largely in the last year and a half since I've been doing Joy and Hope has provided for me through one-time donations just as strongly. So if this ministry is something that you are a part of regularly, something you tune into frequently, something that has truly brought you more happiness, more holiness, helped you on the way to heaven, brought you joy and hope in your life, I beg you to at least prayerfully consider becoming a Joy and Hope patron. I recently edited my tiers on Patreon. So there is now a $5 a month pledge option, a $10 a month, a $25 a month, and a $50 a month pledge. However, you can edit any of those tiers. So if you think, you know what? Lord, I want to give Morgan $9 a month to do this ministry. The way you can do that is you look at the tier that is lower than $9 a month. So the $5 tier, you go in, you edit the $5 to $9 and you become that level of a patron. Same with if you don't like the $10, $25 or $50 option, let's say you want to give more than $50. Let's say the Lord has blessed you in abundance with resources that you know that aren't supposed to be held for yourself or your family alone, that there is just really this call to action to help others. Let's say you want to give $200 a month to joy and hope. You would go to the $50 tier, 
edit it to $200 a month. And if you have any questions or want to check that out, just go to the description in this podcast or YouTube video. It's patreon.com slash Morgan Mueller. Just click that link. It brings up the page. It is very easy, very straightforward. It's also super simple to sign up and you at any time can withdraw your pledge. I have had a couple patrons in the past who were patrons for a period of time, but who have since canceled their patronage. There are no hard feelings. I trust that the Lord invited them into this ministry in the time that he did and then called them away. But I just beg you, if the Lord is putting on your heart to become a patron or to make a one-time donation, do not let that call go unheeded. Please send me a direct message. If you want, you can email me again at the description in the link below joyandhelpministry at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you and I would love to personally invite you into the journey that is joy and hope. So last point on that, I want to give a shout out to two of my newest patrons. Patrons, (laughs) my friend Jordan Ryder and my friend Terry Baker. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. May God bless you abundantly for your kindness and generosity. <sighs> Feels good. Last thing really quick, a recap if you aren't familiar or if this is your first time here, my mission at Joy and Hope is to bring light to the dark by creating content that uplifts and inspires people to live happier, holier lives headed to heaven. So if that is something that you want to be a part of, make sure you subscribe to this podcast or YouTube channel and hit the notification bell so that you never miss out on new material. Also, if you are tuning in on Apple podcasts specifically, please leave a rating and write a review because that will exponentially help more people discover joy and hope. And now, on to today's episode. Thanks for bearing with me, y'all. When you can't seem to make a decision. So this was inspired during my time with the Lord this morning, as I alluded to earlier. And it is largely inspired by a passage in the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Yesterday in spiritual direction, just a little bit of backstory, I was convicted by my spiritual director of something. And it was an incredibly freeing moment in my heart. And when I was journaling about that today, it led me to write these things. So I apologize if you are tuning in on YouTube, if I'm not looking at you and looking at the camera, but since I really think that this was inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be reading it. And so I just pray, Lord, that you will hit people's hearts as they need hit. So here we go. It all comes back to how we have free will. First and foremost, we are not puppets on a string. Our life is not laid out before us in such a way that we have no choice in the different 
decisions that will take place in our lives. We get to choose who we marry. We get to choose if we, if men, let's say, if a man becomes a priest, he gets to choose that. As women, if we want to enter religious life, we can choose that. These things, these things, the Lord wants us to enter into freely. But when it comes to big decisions, it can be really difficult because oftentimes we have family, we have friends who really love us, really care about us, and their input is sometimes not helpful. We might feel this pressure from a family member or from society or even from ourself, which might be the devil working himself into our mind, feeling like we're not good enough unless we do X, Y, or Z. Those things come in the forms of coercion. In the rite of marriage, you cannot get married if you're not entering into it freely. Because otherwise, there was no choice on your part. So when it comes to decision making, it's important to know the Lord wants us to freely and willfully choose the good, but the discernment comes when we're choosing between two good things. Should I send my kid to this public school or to this private school? Both have pros and both have cons. How do I choose between two good things? It's hard. (laughs) Yes. Discernment can be difficult when we're deciding between two goods. But we should experience an immense level of peace and comfort. Knowing that we literally cannot choose wrong in such circumstances because both options are good. I am going to speak that truth into your heart again, friend. If you are between two good options, there might be that temptation of the devil in your mind to fear choosing the wrong thing. And messing up your life. Guess what? You literally cannot choose wrong when it comes to discernment. Because both things are good. Wrong decisions come when we are faced with the choice between good and evil. Should I drink excessively today or should I not? Should I do drugs, illegal drugs today, or should I not? Should I kill this person? Should I not? Should I lie? Should I not? Should I steal? Should I not? Okay, those things are between evil and good. Those are not discernment. And those, hopefully, like the whole point of life as a Christian is to get to the point where that's not even a decision because we aren't even tempted by those bad things anymore. And it's easy to choose the good. 
Discernment is what we are talking about here. Should I take this job as a data analyst and make more money for my family, allow my wife to be a stay-at-home mother and raise our children, or should I take this job in ministry that brings me so much joy, but that requires my wife to still stay at her job in order for us to make enough income for our family, which means that we are going to have to find a daycare for our children. Neither of those decisions is going to be the wrong decision because both of those things are good and has God in mind. You want to do what's right for your family, but you also want to do what's right in the eyes of God. You want to do work that glorifies him and that brings you joy. But I do want to make this point as well. A point that my spiritual director made to me yesterday. When we are doing God's will, there will always be a cross. That's the call of every Christian. Take up your cross and follow me, Christ tells us. So, it's not about which decision is going to be the path of least resistance, which path is going to come with the least amount of struggles or the least amount of worries, because both of those things will be a cross. However, I thought it was really cool my spiritual director made this point. When you are seeking to do the will of God when it comes to a decision and your heart is led in one way over another, let's say, there should be joy. There should be a cross, but there should be joy when it comes to the will of God. So if you are completely miserable, let's go back to that example. Okay, just making stuff up, but maybe it hits your heart and awesome. That's the point of all of this, right? Let's say you decide, you and your wife discern, you are not going to take the data analyst, if that's even how I'm supposed to say it, data, data, tomato, tomato. The data analyst job, you take it and your wife is able to stay at home with your children, cool. Let's say you're at that company for six months or a year and you absolutely hate it. You hate it. The people around you are bringing you down. At first you thought I'm like called to love them. Maybe I can share Christ with them, but there is no fruit to be born there. You don't feel like you have a good community. You don't feel like you're well supported. And meanwhile, your wife is also starting to struggle. Maybe she really wanted to stay home with your kids, but now she's finding that without a different kind of work for her, Maybe it's in ministry. Maybe she used to be a data analyst, whatever it is. Maybe without that stimulation, she is having a really hard time being the best version of herself at home. 
So that year goes by. You discern again. Okay, we don't think that this is what God is asking us to do because both of us are miserable and neither of us want this. Therefore, let's go back to prayer and ask the Lord to provide different opportunities for us. Maybe that one job for the husband is still open in ministry and maybe his heart is still longing for that and wants that. So maybe he takes that job. And then, I don't know, maybe the position that he is going to leave open is taken by his wife and for whatever reason, she has more of a community in that company. Maybe there were more women than men there. I don't know. All of this again is a made up example. But like God could totally do this because God could totally do anything. So maybe she is flourishing at that company. The husband is flourishing in this ministry position. Both of them become more of who they're meant to be. They're better. They're a better husband and a wife. They're a better mother and father. And that's awesome. So all of that to say, that's our springboard. When we are talking about two good things, you're not going to mess up your life. You are not going to mess up your life. God is so much bigger than you. And even if, like in that example, the choices that you make eh, aren't all they were cracked up to be, guess what? You are not stuck. God will provide for you if you just go back to him and ask, Lord, what do you want of me? And he will guide you. So I'm going to say that one punchline again because it is packed with truth. Yes, discernment can be difficult when we're deciding between two goods, but we should experience an immense level of peace and comfort knowing that we literally cannot choose wrong in such circumstances because both options are good. And we're going to keep going now. Therefore, either option we choose will be a good one. Think about the apostles. As I said earlier, I just read in the book of Acts the other day about how the apostles cast lots when it came to selecting someone to replace Judas Iscariot. Talk about a monumental decision, right? Jesus Christ, God himself, had personally chosen, hand-picked even, the first 12 people to whom he entrusted the carrying on of his mission. Oh my gosh, if I was an apostle, I would have probably been so anxious being like, how am I going to make a choice as good as Jesus did? But how did they make the decision? They essentially flipped a coin. That is the equivalent, kind of, like in our modern day, just of an example that is easy to think of. Like, they freaking flipped a coin. Okay, guys. Like, what? But notice, why doing so for them was not a sign of not caring or leaving it to chance with no concern for God or the will of Christ. So let's see what scripture says about this. This is from Acts chapter 1, verses 24 through 25. And they 
prayed. Prayer is number one when we want to do the will of God. And they prayed and said, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Driving point here, y'all. The apostles surrendered the decision to God in prayer. That was their first step. And then they thought no more about it. Notice they didn't flippantly select the candidates either. So there was a discernment involved in that. There were qualifications that needed to be met. See how the apostles, though, searched scripture, verses 16 and 20, turning to it as a guide after first devoting themselves to praying about the decision also recorded in verse 14. So let's break that down a little bit more, shall we? Step by step. They, one, prayed. And I'm sure that even if it's not detailed in scripture how they prayed, I bet a huge part of their, their prayer was asking the Holy Spirit, who had been given them at Pentecost, to come upon them in this moment and enlighten this particular decision. Number one. Number two, they were convicted by scripture that Judas needed to be replaced. So after their prayer in number one, the Holy Spirit probably prompted them to look at the scriptures and what did it say that Judas was supposed to be replaced. Number three, that led them to discern that the candidate must have certain qualifications. In verses 21 through 22, it says, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And finally, four, they go back to prayer and five, act on it. They act on their decision. They seek the clarity they're longing for by casting lots. They had put forth two candidates. One, it says, was Joseph called Barsabbas or Matthias. They put two things forward. They asked the Lord to come into that. And then they flipped a freaking coin because both men were awesome. And they didn't know. They were like, Lord, we can't see. We can't see the future. We don't know which one of these would make a better apostle. So we have prayed. We have sought the scriptures. We've prayed again. Right now, like we're coming to prayer again right now. Like our best judgment is that one of these two would be the best option, but we don't know anymore. And so sometimes the Lord will give you clarity and you won't have to decide between two good things because like the Lord, if he wanted, could have told the apostles, oh yeah, Matthias, no, no doubt about it, but he didn't. It seems like there were a lot of men that they had in this pool to pull from and they came down to two, but then kind of got stuck. So when you feel like you can't make a decision that you have prayed, you've sought scripture and the advice of other people, 
and listen to the Lord as best as you can in the silence of your own heart. And then you have discerned, like you've done all the work that goes into that. You've weighed the pros and cons. You come back to prayer and you're like, Lord, I am stuck. But then we have to act. Even when we're stuck, we have to act. And the way the apostles did that, they flipped a coin. They cast lots. And the lot fell on Matthias. And that is how he became an apostle. This is a sure fire way of doing the will of God when it otherwise isn't clear to us. And as I just said, this pattern might take a slightly different form sometimes because there are three ways that the Lord will speak to us. And the first is in the silence of our heart. The second is through scripture. And the third is through convictions from other people. So sometimes someone will say something to you, for example, my spiritual director yesterday, and it just hits different. For instance, last year in February, when my mom suggested I move to Kansas City, it hit really different, y'all. It hit really different. And I had had spiritual direction that day. God is good. And my spiritual director had said the same thing. Like, I think your mom might be on to something. Now, my mom had been encouraging me to move to Kansas City for two years before that. Like, this was not the first time she had made this suggestion. However, it hit different that day. And I just, I just knew. I knew in that moment and in my heart. So I guess you could say one and two. Like, In the silence of my heart, like there was that conviction, but it was spoken by her that third way. And that was a call to action because the thing that is so important to remember about discernment is it requires action. Otherwise, we will discern ourselves to death and destruction because we will have never done anything. And I promise you, and you can search the scriptures for this as well, Ask the most wise and learned teachers. The Lord doesn't want you to endlessly discern anything. That will never be a call for you. So, what do you do? You pray, you decide, and then you don't worry. Which is actually an awesome book that I will link in the description below this video and podcast. Written by a couple named Bobby and Jackie Angel, along with Father Mike Schmitz. So good. So awesome. I have really enjoyed this book, and it has helped me a lot in my life when it comes to discernment, especially because they make that point at the end. I'm pretty sure it has five steps for discernment in their book as well, which isn't what I'm going off of in this video, but it is, it's super helpful, and theirs also ends with a call to action. So, In summation, come Holy Spirit. It is not the will of God for you to live in fear of the future, 
or to be preoccupied with the past. The Lord longs for you to live in freedom in the present. And a lot of those calls, I will call them, they are based in your desires. Because the Lord places desires on our heart. That doesn't mean that every desire is a good desire. Earlier, we talked about how we can be tempted to do evil. If I desire to eat a gallon of ice cream at one time, there's no way that that's a desire from God. That's a disordered desire. However, the good desires that God places on our heart, such as to be a wife or to be a mother or to forsake the world and give my life over to God as a missionary or as a nun in a cloistered convent, all of those desires are good. It doesn't mean they're perfect. Maybe there is some sifting that is going to have to happen before you enter into that vocation. I can definitely speak to personal experience on that one. But I'm pretty sure it's St. Therese who once said, the Lord does not give us good desires that he doesn't desire to see realized. He wants your deepest desires to be fulfilled. He wants to grant your greatest dreams. So the first step in all of this is being honest because the Lord cannot act when we're paralyzed by fear or when we're preoccupied by something other than the present. I don't know if you journal, but it has been transformative for me in the times when I was so confused in my life and between two big decisions to go to prayer. And that can look so different for you than it does for me. But my personal prayer is very helpful when it's in the form of journaling. So those five steps that we talked about in light of the apostles earlier, I don't know what their one accord of prayer looked like. Mine is often journaling. But then what do we do in step two? After we lay all of our fears out before the Lord in prayer, we're honest with him about what we want. We're honest about what he thinks, or excuse me, we're trying to be honest with him about what we think he wants us to do. And we lay it all out there. The next step, other than waiting and listening, is to search for him, to seek that answer. And it is through scripture, scouring scripture, being in tune at mass or at our service. What message is the Lord maybe answering me with? Who are the people that he's putting in my life? What are they saying to me? And notice, when are the things that certain people are saying hitting my heart with truth and love and conviction and challenge because that's of God? And when are their words hurting me 
or making me feel misunderstood or making me doubt God or my abilities. Because those things are things that the devil is trying to use. Do not listen to those things. And then the third step is doing that work. Okay, Lord, here are these two big decisions. I think they're both good. I could see how you might be calling me to either one. I've weighed it, but I still don't know what to do. Number four, go back to prayer. Tell the Lord that after you're searching, maybe it's been a week, maybe it's been a month, maybe it's been five or 50 years. I hope not because I cannot imagine the Lord wanting you to discern something for 50 years. But at the end of all that, bring it back to prayer when you feel stuck and be like, okay, Lord, if you want to give me a really clear sign either way, go for it. I'm longing for clarity. I'm longing to do your will. But at the end of the day, if you just can't seem to decide, flip a coin and beg God for his grace and mercy, all for his greater glory. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If this episode, friends, helped you feel unstuck or hit your heart with truth in any way, shape, or form, please like it, at least. And at best, hit that share button share it across social media and put a description with the video or with the podcast about why it helped you or what decision it helped you make. Because this is not about me and this is not about my life story. This is about us answering the call of Christ to do his will, which is to share what he's doing in our lives with others. So if this was helpful for you today, I challenge you to share it across social media with that description so that other people know that the Lord is present in your life and that he is working and that he not only wants to work for you, but that he wants to work for them. And also hit this, hit, hit the, I cannot speak. Oh Lord, have mercy. Also hit the subscribe button, which is somewhere around my face right now with the little joy and hope logo. So that again, you never miss out on more material or check out this playlist in the bottom left-hand corner of the video for more episodes on discernment and discerning different things in life. And lastly, I love you all very much, and I hope to see you back here again very soon. God bless! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Joy and Hope podcast where we seek to bring light to the dark. If you enjoy our mission, we would love for you to become a patron on Patreon. Our patrons are what make it possible for us to continue doing Joy and Hope full-time, bringing you the inspiring creative content that uplifts you to live more joyful, hopeful lives. So please consider supporting us. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless and see you next time.